Chapter Forty One of Sleeping Fires by Gertrude Atterton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Madeline took two floors of a large brownstone house in Bleecker Street, and the accommodating landlady found a colored wench to keep her rooms in order and cook her meals. A room at the back and facing the south was fitted up for masters. It was a masculine-looking room with its solid mahogany furniture, and as his books were stored in the cellar of the Times building, she had shelves built to the ceiling on the west wall. Lacey obtained an order for the books without difficulty, and Madeline disposed of several of her long evenings filling the shelves. When she had finished, one side of the large room at least looked exactly like his parlor in the Occidental Hotel. She also hung the windows with green curtains and draped the mantelpiece with the same material. Green had been his favorite color. She had reveled at giving up her original purpose of making a personal search for masters, but one look at New York had convinced her that if Lacey would not help her, she must employ a detective. Nevertheless, she went every midday to one or other of the restaurants below Chambers Street, and although nothing had ever terrified her so much she ventured into nassau street at least once a day and struggled through it peering into every face nassau street was only ten blocks long and very narrow but it would seem as if during the hours of business a cyclone gathered all the men in new york and hurled them in compact masses down its length until they were met by another cyclone that drove them back again they filled the street as well as the narrow sidewalks. They poured out of the doorways as if impelled from behind, and Madeline wondered they did not jump from the windows. No one sauntered. All rushed along with tense faces. There were many collisions and no one paused to apologize, nor did anyone seem to expect it. There were hundreds, possibly thousands, of offices in those buildings high for their day, and every profession, every business, every known or unique occupation was represented. There were banks and newspaper buildings, hotels, restaurants, auction rooms, the treasury and the old Dutch church that had been turned into the general post office. There were shops containing everything likely to appeal to men, although one wondered when they found time for anything so frivolous as shopping second-hand bookstores and street hawkers without number in addition to the thousands of men who seemed to be hurrying to and from some business of vital import there were the hundred thousand or more who surged through that narrow thoroughfare every day for their mail the old church looked like a besieged fortress and madeline marveled that it did not collapse she was thankful that she was never obliged to enter it Holt and her lawyer had been instructed to send their letters to Lacey's care, and Lacey, when obliged to communicate with her, either called or sent his note by a messenger. Madeline was so hustled, stepped on, whirled about, that she finally made friends with an old man who kept one of the second-hand shops, and comparatively safe, used the doorway as her watchtower. One day she thought she saw Masters and darted out into the street. There she fought her way in the wake of a tall, stooping man with black hair as mercilessly as if she were some frantic woman who had risked her all on the stock exchange. 
he entered the door of one of the tall buildings and when she reached it she heard the sound of footsteps rapidly mounting she followed as rapidly the footsteps ceased when she arrived at the fourth floor she knocked on every door in turn it was evidently a building that housed men of the dingiest social status every man who answered her peremptory summons looked like a derelict these were mere semblances of offices with unmade beds sometimes on the floor in some were dreary-looking women partners no doubt of these forlorn men whose like she sometimes saw down in the street but her breathless search was fruitless she knew that one of the men who grudgingly opened his door looking as if he expected the police was the man she had followed and she was grateful it was not masters she went slowly down the rickety staircase feeling as if she should sink at every step it had been her first ray of hope in two weeks and she felt faint and sick under the reaction she found a coupe in broadway and was driven to her lodgings the maid was waiting for her in the doorway evidently perplexed there's a strange gentleman upstairs in the parlor ma'am she said not mr lacy i didn't want to let him in but he would he said she thrust the girl aside and ran up the steps but when she burst into the parlor the man waiting for her was ralph holt she dropped into a chair and began to cry hysterically he had dealt with her in that state before and amanda had lived in bleecker street for many years she was growing bored with the excessive respectability of her place and was delighted to find that her mistress was human cold water sal volate and hartshorn soon restored madeline's composure she handed her hat to the woman and was alone with holt i thought perhaps you understand i understand all right i hope you are not angry with me for following you i am only too glad to see you i never knew a city could be so big and heartless i have felt like a leaf tossed about in a perpetual cold wind when did you arrive the day after you did what and you you have been looking for him that is what i came for hartley yes lacy and i have combed the town madeline sprang to her feet you found him i know it why don't you say so well we know where he is but it's no place for you take me at once i don't care what it is but i do so does lacy his plan was to shanghai him and sober him up but well it is your right to say whether he shall do that or not you wanted to find him yourself but five points is no place for you and i want your permission to carry out lacy's program what is five points the worst sink in new york just imagine the barbary coast of san francisco multiplied by two thousand there is said to be nothing worse in london or paris if you and mr lacy do not take me there i shall go alone be reasonable my reason works quite as clearly as if my heart were chloroformed langdon will know when i track him to a place like that what he means to me he probably will be in no condition to recognize you i'll make him recognize me or if i cannot you may use your force then 
but he shall know later that i went there for him have you seen him holt moved uneasily and looked away yes i have seen him you need not be so distressed i shall not care what he looks like i shall see him inside did you speak to him he either did not recognize me or pretended not to well we go now won't you think it over i prefer your escort to that of a policeman i shall not be so foolish as to go alone then we'll come for you at about eleven to-night it would be useless to go look for him now people who lead that sort of life sleep in the daytime i have not the faintest idea where he lives very well i shall have to wait i suppose holt rose lacy and i will come for you and will bring with us two of the biggest detectives we can find it's no joke taking a woman a woman like you good god into a sewer like that even lacy and i got into trouble twice but we could take care of ourselves better dine with me at delmonico's and forget things for a while i could not eat nor sit still nor do i wish to run the risk of meeting my brother or any one else i know come for me promptly at eleven or you will not find me here End of chapter forty one